everyone. Welcome to the Red Couch Manx podcast. I'm Vivek Jacob. I'm joined by co-host Carl Mascarenas. Carl, uh, this has been, I feel, a podcast that's been a long time coming. We've known each other for 10 years now. Hard to believe. Time kind of flies. Uh, we first met on a trip to the Dominican uh, and it was about 20 of us, and the trip was arranged by our mutual friend Cam, who brought us all together. That might be his greatest accomplishment to date, bringing that many people together uh, for that vacation. And one of the first things uh, some of us did together was wake up on the weekend to watch United play Arsenal and crush them 8-2. We're a long way from that, but, you know, since then, you know, we've had that mutual love for Manchester United. We're big fans of cricket. We've uh, become close friends. We've been teammates uh, on the pitch. And so I I feel like this was just a matter of time. Welcome to the podcast, by the way. (laughs) Thanks. Thanks for the uh, for the introduction, Vivek. I I couldn't agree more with uh, half the things you said. I mean, Cam definitely is greatest accomplishment uh, planning a trip with that many people. Uh, I think we do share quite a bit in common, uh, not to mention, you know, you're an avid uh, Djokovic fan and I'm an avid uh, Nadal fan. So we always have that healthy banter going on there. Uh, So uh, (laughs) definitely lots in common. And I think, uh, you know what, we have these conversations anyways about Manchester United analyzing the game. So why not make a podcast and uh, let other people enjoy uh, our conversations as well. So thanks for having me. Oh, of course, man. And obviously, you're going to be a part of this going down the road. We're going to have reactions to every match uh, from here on out. Hopefully, an exciting season ahead. But before we get into that, give the listeners a bit of an idea of how you became a Manchester United fan in the first place. Yeah, yeah. No, that's uh, that's a good question. Uh, for me, it all started uh, way back in the uh, the fall of 2001, September. Uh, I had just moved actually from India to Nigeria. Uh, I was a big uh, cricket fan, not only watching, but playing at the same time. I didn't have much exposure to any other sports. So uh, coming to Nigeria, you can imagine it's a, a football crazy nation. Uh, eat, sleep and dream about soccer. That's all they do. And so uh, that's all that was on TV. So I had no choice but to uh, to take up a new sport and start to learn and watch a new sport, and so that's when it happened in the you know September of two thousand and one. I was I was I was flicking through the channels and I saw uh, Manchester United playing Newcastle. Now this wasn't the first time I've seen uh, or heard of these teams. Uh, everything I knew about football revolved around David Beckham. Uh, he was in the media. And so uh, just keeping an eye on what he was doing and who he played for. And so I gravitated towards Manchester United. And then that game against Newcastle, I believe United actually lost that game 4-3. However, it was an entertaining game. It was back and forth, you know, goals galore. So that really got me hooked. I think the style of United was really easy on the eye. Those crosses coming to the box and Van Nistelrooy or Giggs or whoever it was coming on the end of them. Uh, So... That's where it all started. And then, uh, you know what? 20 years, still a United fan. Uh, been through the ups and uh, experiencing a lot of the lows right now. But uh, I, I think there's uh, 
there's light at the end of the tunnel. Uh, we just got to keep the faith. Um, so yeah, that that's my story. What about you, Vivek? Where did it start for you? Uh, started a while ago, but y- you mentioned your first game being Newcastle. So I think it's kind of fitting that our first post-match reaction will also be to Newcastle on Saturday. So uh, that's kind of come full circle for you as a fan. That's kind of for cool, me. Yeah. For me, uh, go back to about the 96-97 season and... I didn't. I didn't have much of an interest in football. This was. I, I was growing up in Dubai, so it was always football. Uh, and so, uh, I had a couple of friends that were big Manchester United fans. For me at the time, it was only tennis because that's what my dad played, and so I got into that. And cricket. And these two friends were telling me about Manchester United, and then uh, they were close friends, so I just wanted to get into it more. And the way for me to do that at the time was more uh, the, the the local newspaper was called college times. So they had match recaps every day of what was happening in the premier league. And so I'd be reading that in the morning and, you know, they'd have updated standings. And I remember the first season that I was a fan, I believe Arsenal won the league by a point. And so that would, that was, I think, you know, pretty much uh, approaching the Man U Arsenal heyday in terms of the rivalry, uh, especially, you know, those Henri Van Nistelrooy, Vieira uh, and Roy Keane. Uh, so that that sort of took my fandom to another level. Uh, the big thing for, the, for me in terms of a soccer fan was probably the 98 World Cup where uh, Dennis Bergkamp scored that goal against Argentina. And that that is probably the biggest thing in terms of me becoming a footy fan. And then, as you mentioned, watching United uh, with Beckham and Giggs and Skulls and uh, Dwight York and Andy Cole is hard not to be a fan. And that that type of style uh, of play, you know, I think I think that's appealing to a lot of people. I think that's why you know United have such a global fan base, and that's why. There's so much frustration of late because there's not much that really resembles that. And I think we can maybe get into a bit of that right now as, you know, obviously a really disappointing defeat, 6-1 to Tottenham. Go into the transfer deadline and United have made some moves, picked up Alex Tellez, Edinson Cavani, Facundo Pellistri, uh, Willy Kamwala, Amadialo Traore, We'll focus on those first three names, uh, and we'll start with Alex Tellers. What are your thoughts uh, on that signing? Uh, much needed, number one. Uh, definitely adds both depth and competition to that left side, uh, something that we've been sorely missing, especially when it comes to the quality of crosses into the box. You think about when Ashley Young was playing down that left. Uh, he had to shift always onto his right foot before crossing in and we would lose a lot of momentum. So I think having Alex Tellers is a big plus. I won't be surprised if he goes right into the starting 11, um, just like all they did with uh, Bruno when he came from the Portuguese league. A couple of things to watch out for is he is coming from the Portuguese league and so the level of competition will be different. Can he adjust to the physicality? He is 27 years old, so he should be in the peak of his career. One thing that I'm really looking forward to 
is um, he's got a lethal left foot. I mean, he uh, he will add some much-needed uh, free kick uh, depth when it comes to taking it from uh, you know a certain side of the pitch and bending them in to the uh, to the box, uh, taking corner kicks. Um, we were severely lacking in that department if Bruno wasn't taking them. I think actually in the beginning of the season, Ole actually had Luke Shaw taking a couple of corner kicks just to let you know where we stand. So uh, I'm really looking forward to the signing. Uh, what about you? Yeah, I'm excited for him as well for the same reasons that you mentioned. Again, just that depth in that position. He slots in, I think, automatically as the starting left back. Uh, I think he's maybe there'll be a bit of an adjustment period. So it's a bit of a timeshare between him and Luke Shaw initially uh, until he's comfortable. But I think he would be the left, best left back on the team. And I think offensively that's where he's more renowned in terms of what he brings to the table defensively i think he's progressed uh, i think he's steadily improved over the course of his career uh on that side of the ball and so i don't think it will be as bad as, or you know as questionable as some people are making it out to be and so i i am excited for his signing a signing that people aren't seem to not be too excited about uh, is Edinson Cavani. And I feel like a lot of that is based on the fact that his name isn't Jadon Sancho. I think when you look at the signing in a vacuum, it was the type of signing that I was hoping for last season when United instead went and signed Adriano Gallo. And I think this is someone who brings experience to the squad, who will be a proper option for the team in a starting role if uh, Anthony Marshall were to get hurt. And again, just that experience, that know-how that he can share with Mason Greenwood, with Marshall, with Marcus Rashford uh, in terms of approaching Champions League games and things of that nature. I think he's going to be a big help in that regard as, as, as long as he's happy to play that role, right? As long as he's willing to sort of understand that He's not going to be the number one option, but he is going to push uh, Marshall. And I think that competition for places is important. So uh, I'm, I'm, I'm actually a lot higher on that signing than most. I, I would actually 100% agree with you. I think uh, if you just go back a couple of seasons when we signed Zlatan and a lot of people were saying he's past his prime, what are we doing? You saw what he brought not only on the field, but off the field, that leadership ability of just wanting to win and just driving and pushing yourself. Like if Zlatan's doing that, you, you have no choice but to do that. So I'm, I'm really hoping that Edison um, can do that as well. I think he he's shown that when he's on the pitch, he's a warrior. He doesn't stop running, right? And I think that could be infectious. I just hope that uh, he has that positive attitude and can really push Martial, like you said, Um so that's definitely the pros. Uh, another pro actually is last season, around about this time, we had sold Lukaku and loaned out Sanchez and were lacking in depth. And then I, I believe it was Martial who, who went down with an injury. And then we were already having trouble breaking teams down. Now add to that a lack of uh, attacking intent and uh, we were suffering. And so, you know, Ole was getting bashed for that. Now we've got depth, we've got Cavani in, so 
you know what like let's let's give it a chance before we go in and absolutely sewer everybody over this right let's see how he plays um the only negative to this uh signing is that he's coming in on a pretty high wage packet uh one thing that united had done really well was kind of get everybody back on an even playing field and we didn't have complaints over people's salary and lack of performance uh aka sanchez so i i just hope that we don't open that can of worms again that's that's my only fear yeah i think that's entirely fair um and it'll be interesting to see how solshire uses him and and how marshall i think takes this right i think i think there's two ways where you know i i could see a match where maybe marshall isn't playing up to standard and solshire decides to say hey okay you know what hey, i'm i'm going to go with cavani to start in this match and uh how does marshall take something like that does he does he sort of sulk and say oh no you know this is supposed to be my job or does he take this and say hey you know what this is real competition there's a certain standard that everyone needs to play at here and if you're below that standard then these are the types of things that are going to happen and so uh i think uh we're going to learn a lot about marshall this season I, i i think there was a lot to be excited about uh last season especially you know coming back from the stoppage and now over a full season i'm looking forward to uh if he can continue uh that success and how how he himself sort of mentally accepts this competition is, is going to be a big tell for me in terms of his future at the club actually let me ask Now. you this question uh with yep. regards to cavani right uh, because i think a large part uh, in all of this in excitement and disappointment is expectations right what is your expectation come the end of the season for Cavani in terms of number of goals. I I would say, you know, I'd be, I'd be happy with somewhere between sort of 10 to 12. I think 15 would be a really good season. But if he get if he get somewhere from 10 to 12 goals, I think that that would be a solid season and that's assuming, you know, that Mar- Marshall is starting the majority of the games that Cavani is sort of filling in and playing a role on the team. And so that's what I would consider a good season to be for him. What about you? Yeah, my magic number is 10. I thought about this. I I think 10 is a good number. Uh and I'm just looking back to last season when Igalo joined the team. Uh I was pretty happy with what he he did. He contributed in in the Europa League and he played in the FA Cup as well. And I think he bagged about four or five goals. So You know what Cavani, he's not going to start every game. If he can get 10 goals and you know what if he's playing majority of the time in the Champions League, he's probably going to score some important goals. So uh, I'm I'm good with that number. Now, another player that was signed that Cavani himself has spoken very highly about is Facundo Pellistri and you were telling me that you've been doing quite a bit of research on him. So why don't you tell us what what, what your initial thoughts are yeah so you know what I, i the lens with which i was looking at this was all right we don't have that much depth on the right wing uh most of his his good work came down the right wing there was a there was a certain other player from dortmund we were supposed to sign that would have filled that gap on the right wing um 
unfortunately uh, we didn't get him however i think uh, facundo coming in with a, a modest price tag so he's not going to have a lot of pressure on him that's number 1 and number 2 uh, diego forlan who was his coach where he came from uh, obviously has played at united and could have given him some helpful tips and in fact forlan was the one that recommended him to united right so mm-hmm. we've already got some some good references there so in terms of his actual game... Hopefully he doesn't follow Forlan's history at the club. <laughs> well, if he follows that history against Liverpool, uh, I'll be satisfied with that. <laughs> <laughs> um, but uh, in terms of his actual gameplay, I am extremely excited about him. For an 18-year-old, you know what? He's got some some excellent poise. I've seen a lot of his play where he's actually had his back to goal and has been able to to have a good first touch with his left or right foot and then make a quick pivot. Right. And that's critical because sometimes I feel like we're lacking where the player in that position right now takes a little too long. Um, and then we lose that momentum. Secondly, uh, he's very good with his close control when running at a defender and just going past a player. I mean, th- that's something that's rare these days at United. Uh, so I'm really excited about that. He has a completely different game to Daniel James, where Daniel James is just pure speed, but he's still. Uh, has a lot to work on his game. Now, the one area where Facundo does have... Uh, and, and his physique. And his physique, yes, exactly. Uh, Facundo is a little bigger than him and stronger. I've seen... I don't know how strong the players in the Uruguayan league are, but he seemed to be holding his own there. Uh, I, 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 He only had about two assists. Sorry, two goals. So um, when it comes to his final product, I will be very interested to see what his crossing ability looks like and his delivery into the box. Because that's something that we're lacking right now. And I'm really hoping that he can add something to that. But he's also 18 years old, so I, I don't want to big him up too much because uh, he's still a young kid. Yeah, that's fair. I think I think with with all of these signings, whether it's a big name or not, we might, we might have to temper our expectations just a little bit. Um, because again, none of them would be classified as, you know, uh, made-to-order superstars that are just going to step in and dominate the league and i think overall when i look at this transfer window if i do have a bone to pick it's not so much that united didn't end up with Jaden sancho it's the approach to improving the squad and when you look at the moves that man city made when you look at the moves that liverpool have made uh just to sort of tweak and, uh, you know, just upgrade around the edges because they know even as champions, they, they got to do something to refresh. And and then you look at the moves that Chelsea made. Uh, as a team, if you're playing for United and you see all of that happening around you, you're sitting there and saying, okay, what are, what are we doing? And I am frustrated with the fact that it has taken this long. As soon as the United season ended, that was the time for Ed Woodward and Matt Judge to go to work and get business done and say, hey, say to the players, okay, you've done your job. You've gotten back into the Champions League. Now it's it's in our hands to make sure that you're as prepared as can be for the season to come. And now, obviously, you know they can say what they want about 
oh, you know, the Champions League games haven't begun yet. We've got now we've got the players that we need, this and that. But it, it, it in this is where I think there, there's that separation between being a business mind and being a football mind and a, and a, and understanding team concepts and understanding how players respond to certain situations. And I think it sends a much different message if you get those players in right before the Premier League season begins. Not three games in where now you've got this cloud hanging over you because you've started so poorly. And the pressure's already on. Uh, I mean, we're already seeing the rumors with Solskjaer and Pochettino. So uh, that that is my main point of frustration. Yeah, I, uh, I agree. I think, you know, uh, team chemistry doesn't happen overnight. Uh, it takes time to develop. And that's what a preseason is for, right? And okay, United didn't have a preseason, number one. And number two, you're signing three players or four players, um, you know, with three games into the season. They're not going to click overnight. I think Bruno was an exception rather than the rule. Uh, it takes time for for players to understand each other's games. And so Ed Woodward has got to understand that when it comes to signing players. Yeah, you know, negotiating and not being taken for a ride. At the end of the day, because you you have the brand of Manchester United, it already adds a, a 10 million premium to any player. Well, I understand that. And so he's trying to change that perception. But at the same time, you know, when someone has uh, done as well as they did last season with Ole uh, bringing our team into third place, I, I guarantee you if, if you asked 100 United fans, do you think we're going to finish in third when the restart happened? I'm pretty sure a large majority would have said no, right? We would have been happy with the fourth. Uh, most likely, it looked like we were going to get fifth, right? So My personal hope was that United would finish fifth and that City would be revoked their Champions League access. And that way, United would slide into fourth. That was my honest hope at the stoppage. So for them to finish third, I think that was really impressive. Yeah, and, and I think that's something that should not be forgotten. Yeah, uh, football is a results business, but at the same time, you got to give someone time to to get what they want to get uh, or get to where they want to get. I know, you know, we were discussing in one of our many discussions about how um, we sometimes, you know, give young players leeway when it comes to growth and improving. However, that isn't the same uh, that's afforded to managers. We expect the finished product and maybe um, put an unfair burden on them when they're new and coming up as a coach. Yep, exactly. And I think what Solskjaer, if you were to ask me what his ceiling is as a manager right now, I would probably say, you know, I, I make the comparison for any Raptors fans listening, any basketball fans listening, that he is Dwayne Casey that I think he's the type of person that can instill the right culture and good habits and bring what Manchester United has been known for in terms of their approach to the game back. But maybe he's not the man for the trophies. And for me, when I look at Manchester United, you know, a lot of the talk you hear is, oh, this is Manchester United. You all, all you do is compete for trophies. If you're not winning trophies, uh, you know that's all, uh, then you're not doing your job. Well, if you look what's above Solskjaer, that's clearly not the same Manchester United. The priority is not winning trophies. The priority is running a business. And so until I see a change at the top, 
that shows me that the priority is winning, I don't know if it's worth it to go get another top-class manager, another world-renowned manager who's going to come in, realize that he's up against it in a couple of seasons, and then it's going to be an ugly divorce again. Louis van Gaal, top manager, comes in. They sort of cater to his demands for a little while, and then once it reaches that point where you know, business comes first, they're not going to give him what he wants. Same thing with Jose Mourinho. Now, obviously, the Jose Mourinho now is not the same Jose Mourinho of old. But I think we're seeing a similar pattern now again with Ole Gunnar Solskjaer. And so until I see a change in that regard, I don't I, I don't see the point in in looking for another manager who is just going to find out in a couple of seasons that this Manchester United is not the Manchester United of old. And so I'm wasting my time here. So would you give Solskjaer a long leash or, you know, if Pochettino is like, I want the job, are you giving it to Pochettino? What's, what's, where, where are you standing on this? Yeah, that's a tough one. I think if Manchester United want to send the right message as a, as a club, I think it's important to back Solskjaer for the entire season. Because if they just let go of Solskjaer and take Pochettino, I think I, I, I think you just you know become one of those clubs that d- remains rudderless, that is sort of making moves, uh, just for the sake of making moves. And this is no disrespect to Pochettino. I think he's a really good manager. I think he's a better manager than Ole Gunnar Solskjaer. But if you, you if you're not gonna give Solskjaer even one season on the back of meeting expectations in terms of getting back into the Champions League, finishing third in the Premier League, uh, then I don't know what you're really saying. I don't know why why you gave him the contract you did in the first place. And so those are the decisions that uh, I think, th- th- those are the lines along which I think United need to be thinking. Uh, I don't know if they will. I don't, I don't know if they'll be thinking on those lines because we've seen with the history with Woodward, uh, with Matt Judge, they don't make the best footballing decisions. And so uh, I would like Solskjaer to be given that chance, but I, I don't know that he will be given that chance, especially if this trends, if, if this trend continues into December. What do you think? I think that, um, I, I mean, I, I, I think he should be given another year. I think that if you look at when he took over from uh, Jose Mourinho, I do think that we have a sense of identity now. We have a style of attacking. Yeah, it's a counter-attacking style, which isn't what the big teams are supposed to be playing, but it's still a style, right? And when we are counter-attacking, we're pretty swift and we've scored some fantastic goals. So some of that attack, attack, attack is definitely coming back, uh, not to the levels that it was before, but you know we're getting there. So I'm liking what I'm seeing. I think uh, you know Ole's tactics against the top six Whenever we've played them, uh, we've had a pretty decent record. So he has shown uh, he is capable. Uh, and it's not just him. It's his entire team of McKenna, Carrick, and Phelan. So I would like to see... One thing that I would definitely like to see is how we react in-game. I think sometimes we might be a little too rigid in our formations. 
I definitely think that there is a possibility of changing to a diamond to incorporate Donny van de Beek and Pogba and Bruno in the same team. Something that I'm really excited to see. Uh, so I'm really hoping that A, Ole is given the chance and B, that he shows improvement in these areas because he did show it last season in 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 uh, here and there with certain games. I just need to see that on a more consistent basis and that's something that is expected when a coach is growing. You start to see these improvements and that's what I would like to see. Yeah, and... Specifically to this season, when you look at the way Manchester United have been challenged defensively, teams have been overloading on on the wings when they attack, right? Aaron Wan-Bissaka, I would say, it already looks like one of the best one-on-one defenders in the Premier League on the wing. And when they overloaded... They're challenging Greenwood to defend. When they overload on the other side with Luke Shaw and Eric Lamella is cutting in and Luke Shaw is forced to follow him and now Serge Aurier is open for crosses, those are problems that Solskjaer needs to look at and say, okay, teams have identified this in our tactics from last season and that's how they're looking to get us. How are we going to respond to that? And so... Those are going to be measures for me in terms of how how much longer, how much more of a leash you give him. And so I would like to see that evolve. I would like to see how much he evolves over the course of the season. And then from there, you make a decision. Frankly, if, if the talk was about Pochettino, then why didn't you just go out and get him right before the season started? Why did it? Why? Well, why is this such a big talking point right now? And I think... Gary Neville made this point when Jose Mourinho uh, ended up being fired. There was so much talk about Jose being let go. And at no point is Woodward or the board or anything uh, coming out and saying, hey, he's safe. You know what I mean? Either either you just, you know, pull the plug, take the Band-Aid off and move on. But United are not this type of club. You can't just have rumors out there going going on and on and on and expect people to just deal with it. You either back your manager or you move on. And I think they've got to be a lot better in that regard. And so uh, overall, I think, you know, people will say Solskjaer fits under, uh, under Woodward because, he, you know, he's going to bite his tongue on certain things and uh, he's going to be a bit of a yes man in terms of accepting of all this, but uh, at a certain point, uh, I think he will he will sort of realize that he needs to aspire to whatever goals he has as well. And if the club is not letting him do that, then, 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 then that sends a bigger message, I think. If Ole is the one to say, hey, things aren't right here. Yeah, I think... Uh... I think you hit the nail on the head. I, I really like the way you talked about, you know, the leash you give Ole is also, it's in his hands. If he can show the tactical noose and capability to adjust on the fly or adjust accordingly, then he's doing all the right things, right? So now if he's got the tactics in place, but the players aren't following, then you know what? It's just, you're not getting the 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 root of the problem right now. You could sack managers all day long, but at the end of the day, 
you're still going to say the same thing coming out, right? So um, I think what this conversation has uh, told me, and I think a lot of fans around the world already know this, is, hey, your next signing better be a director of football. Until you get that director of football, we're just going to go around in this endless loop of hiring and firing managers, uh, having false dawns. But then, you know, because... We've got a couple of uh, business people, accountants, investment bankers who are not football people. We're just going to make the same mistakes over and over again. 100% with you, man. And you threw out a name uh, when we talked about it before, Edwin van der Sar. People want to talk about Pochettino, talk about van der Sar. If you want United to win trophies, think about the names that should be the director of football. That's when you'll know there's been a real change. That's when you know that Manchester United, the priority, the main priority isn't a business. It's a, it's going to be winning football matches again and winning trophies. And so for me, that's what I will look for uh, in terms of where United's ceiling is as a club again. Beyond that, I think, you know, we're going we're gonna to take each match as it comes. We're going to br- be breaking them down as they come. Uh, we've got a lot of fun stuff coming up in terms of how we do it. And uh, I'm looking forward to some of the segments that we'll have going. And that match, that first match will be Saturday against Newcastle. Any other thoughts before we go, Carl? No, I'm, I'm really looking forward to, you know, breaking down the games afterwards and offering the fans uh, maybe a different perspective from what they're reading in the articles and what they're hearing on TV with the post-match analysis. Um, I'm really looking forward to, you know, bringing some some extra value to the fans and also, you know, having a good time and, you know, discussing what we love, which is Manchester United um, and breaking them down after the games and sharing the highs and the lows. So, uh, yeah, I can't wait for the game this weekend. That's going to do it for the first episode. Thanks for listening in. We'll catch you on the weekend.